Attention mining investors, Brazil Resources Incorporated trading as BRIZF on the OTC and BRI on the TSXV is exploring and developing five gold projects in Brazil, surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits. It's acquiring a nearly 700,000 ounce gold resource. BRI has top geologists earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold in Brazil, led by recognized mining executive Admir Adnani, chairman. Check out Brazil Resources com or call 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome back to the second hour of Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I want to thank you for listening, and we want to thank our sponsors for the second hour of today's show, also for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for the second hour are Brazil Resources, Eurasian Minerals, Dynacor Gold Mines, Golden Arrow Resources Corp., Miranda Gold, Precipitate Gold Corp., and Renaissance Gold. Well, we're going to go back now and pick up more words of wisdom from Peter Schiff. Peter begins talking about the flaws, uh, the flawed notion that we are uh, that we need more jobs. Uh, Peter notes that what we really need is more freedom, and if we have more freedom, we would not only have more jobs, but meaningful jobs that people want, rather than phony jobs that are created uh, by the imagination of government. So uh, go ahead, Matt. Play the remainder of Peter Schiff's comments, please. I just had a discussion before I came here with a Wall Street Journal reporter, and he was saying to me, uh, but, you know, don't the Chinese, you know, they, 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 the Chinese, you know, they benefit from this because their people get, get the jobs. I said, are you telling me that slaves benefit from slavery because they had a job? <clears throat> I mean, it doesn't benefit the Chinese to work for us. Right. If they work for themselves, well, then, yeah, well, then then the jobs are worthwhile because you don't want jobs. Right. We all we, we no one wants to work. You, you want the things that you can buy with your paycheck. If you can get the paycheck without working, most people would go for it. In fact, that's why people want to retire. Right? That's when you stop working. That's a goal that we have. We work so that we can stop working one day. We don't work. Work is not and ends in and of itself, it's a means to something that we actually want. In fact, I joke, Ben Bernanke is talking about all the jobs he's going to create. Yeah, he's going to create jobs for people who don't want them. He's going to create jobs for people who are retired right now, who are going to have to go back to work because they're too broke, because they can't, they can't survive on their, on their retirement savings anywhere. In fact, yeah, thanks to Ben Bernanke, I got three jobs. Like I still, I still barely keep ends meet. I mean, that is not the goal of society, is to work harder you know, we want to work less. But the, the reason that we don't have jobs, in fact, when um, at the Republican convention, um, Mitt Romney, his big thing was like, the economy needs more jobs. We need more jobs. That's not what we need. We need more freedom. 
And if we have freedom, then the people who want jobs will have them. But the reason there's so much unemployment is because there's no free market. The government comes in and screws it up and they have minimum wage laws and occupational licensing laws and all these taxes and regulations that price so many people out of the market. And then the government makes it very attractive not to work. For a lot of people, uh, not working is far more lucrative than working. Uh, and it's certainly a lot easier. You know, it's a lot less stressful uh, just to collect money for not working and have to, you know, show up for a job. Uh, so if we had more freedom, we'd have the jobs. But this, what, what Ben Bernanke is doing isn't going to create productive jobs. And I hear you know people all the time, we just need people working. Well, what are they going to do? You know, well, just who cares? Let the government hire them. Well, to do what? And where are they going to get the money to hire them? The government doesn't have any money. Where they got to, Who are they going to take it from? What job are we going to destroy in the private sector that we might actually want, that might produce something that we, that we need so that we can hire somebody to do something that we don't need uh, from the government? So this, this whole plan... Is failing, and as I and get back to you know where I was, I keep you know digressing. But so we're at the beginning of this cycle where you get this pressure on the dollar, and then there's a crisis in the foreign exchange market. There's a sovereign debt crisis. See, just like what's going on in Europe, except people are going to be focusing not on default, right, but on inflation. Now, personally, I think that default is better. I think the best thing that we can do with our debt is restructure and admit that we're broke and that we can't pay. Because the only reason that we have to keep interest rates at zero is so we can service a debt that is unserviceable. But the biggest problem with the U.S. economy, the single biggest problem is that interest rates are too low. And until we let interest rates go up, we're never going to solve that problem. But if we let interest rates go up, we can't afford to pay. So we'd have to default. But the government doesn't want to acknowledge that. The government doesn't want to admit that it's broke. And it's not just defaulting to our bondholders. We have to default on our promises to seniors who are expecting Social Security, who are expecting Medicare. You can't have it. We've got to default on government employees who are expecting pensions. You know, now I don't say we give people nothing. Some people maybe we give nothing if we can means test some of these programs. But we have to reduce uh, the, 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 the benefits, not just to people way in the future, but to people Right now, people who are currently getting checks have to be told, I'm sorry, you can't get that check. You're going to get a smaller check because the country is broke. But in order to avoid that, we keep interest rates down at zero. But by keeping them at zero, all we do is perpetuate all the problems of the economy. If we need more savings, how are we going to get that if savings are being destroyed? If your interest rate is negative, who's going to be dumb enough to save money? And, of course, all we're trying to do is encourage more people to borrow when if we let interest rates go up, the market would encourage people to save, and it would punish people from borrowing, and we could rebalance this economy. But when we have our crisis, I don't believe that we have the integrity to default. Right? I don't think politicians are honest enough to do that. So what it's going to be is inflation, and that is going to be the basis of our currency crisis or our sovereign debt crisis. It's not that the U.S. government isn't going to pay its bills. That's not the problem. The problem is, what is the money going to be worth when you get it, right? And if the dollar loses 50% of its value, that's the same thing as getting 50 cents on the dollar. Even if you get 100 cents on the dollar, if it spends like 50 cents because prices have gone up, if prices have doubled, well, then it's the same thing. You've lost half your money. But the problem is, it might not just be a 50% depreciation. It could be an 80% depreciation. It could be a 90% depreciation. Do you remember what happened in the 1970s? I think some of the people here are old enough to remember the 70s. But 
when we first went off the gold standard in 1971, uh, between 1971 and maybe 1979, the dollar lost two-thirds of its value within that decade. Two-thirds. The Swiss franc was at 23 cents, uh, and it was at 75 cents at the end. You know, I mean, the Japanese yen used to get 360 to the dollar, and then it was like 150. You know, now it's, you know, not even 80. But that was a big depreciation uh, in a short period of time. But the U.S. economy is in so much worse shape now than it was back then uh, that the dollar's decline could be much bigger. Because even though the dollar declined substantially when we went off the gold standard, the dollar stayed as the world's reserve currency. They marked it down. They said, okay, a dollar backed by nothing is not worth as much as a dollar backed by something. But the world kept it as the reserve. The next currency crisis, they're going to throw it out. It can't be the reserve currency. The reserve currency can't be one of the weakest currencies on the planet. I mean, that's like, you know, it's like, you're, you know, you're, you, you want to cheat on your exam, but you cheat off the stupidest person in the class. I mean, <laughs> what kind of plan? So, you know, if you're going to have a reserve currency, it's got to be stronger than the other currencies. It's got to have more uh, integrity. People have to have more confidence in it. So when the dollar loses its role as the reserve currency, then that, that's it. I mean, that's the party's over. I mean, our economy, our phony economy, is based on the ability of Americans to print money and then spend it on things that everybody else makes. And everybody else is willing to take our paper for their stuff, even though the stuff is inherently valuable and useful, and the, and the paper is, you know, you know, the, the stock that it's written on is probably not even soft enough to have a legitimate use, but, but people hold on to it anyway because there's some perception of value there. Even though when they had gold, they had something real, they had something with intrinsic value, they're holding on to dollars instead of gold, but eventually they're going to wake up and realize, you know, what they got, especially if it keeps going down every day to every day, and then it's going to precipitate a crisis, a currency crisis, the bond market starts to implode, the currency's market starts to implode, and that's when we have to make the real choice. That's when the Federal Reserve is going to have to come out and acknowledge all the mistakes that it's made, it's going to have to do the exact opposite, right, of what it's done. It's going to have to jack up interest rates. It's going to have to sell the bonds and the mortgages that it purchased. I mean, at what price? God knows. You know, when the Fed becomes a seller of mortgages, who's going to want to buy them? And at what price? The losses are going to be horrific to the Fed, to the financial system. We're going to have an, an economic collapse that is much worse than what we had in 08, and certainly much worse than the crisis we would have had had the government done the, not, the right thing back then and let the banks fail back then. Not done TARP, not done all the QEs. Yes, if the, if the Federal Reserve and the government had not bailed out, done the bailouts and done the stimulus, we would have had a deeper contraction back then. But it would have been constructive pain because it would, it would have been the pain associated with healing and rebalancing the economy so that we can have real economic growth and prosperity in the future. Instead, we got none of that. We got pain for the sake of pain. And it's going to be even more excruciating now because we took all the problems that underlie the economy and made them bigger. And so now the pain associated with fixing the problem is that much worse because the problem is that much bigger. But we're going to have to do the right thing eventually. I'm hopeful that we do the right thing. If we push it, if we push it to the logical conclusion, well then, well then that's it. Well then it's, you know, it's hyper, hyperinflation. It's like Weimar Republic, it's Zimbabwe. The dollar will be completely worthless. And that is probably the worst crisis of all. And my greatest fear, and I know I've got to stop talking because I'm over my half hour, um, is, is, you know, what is the government going to do when all this happens? 
you know, they've been very successful in blaming the problems on capitalism. You know, blaming it on greedy speculators, saying, oh, the reason that we had a financial crisis is we just didn't have enough regulation. You know, we had too much freedom, too much greed. You know, we, we need more government. I mean, this might convince those people. You know, people are a lot of socialists in Washington, some of them in Pennsylvania Avenue. And they're sure that capitalism doesn't work. They're just looking for a way to prove it. Right. I mean, they, you know, they, 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 they feel a lot more comfortable with the ideas of Karl Marx than Adam Smith. And this is going to be the opportunity. I told you so. You see, I knew capitalism wouldn't work. Look at this disaster. You know, and it creates a, an environment in which government can seize a tremendous control of the economy. And, and we would lose whatever individual liberties we remain. I'm hopeful that that is not going to be the case, that we will understand the disaster is a result of central planning, central banking, of government. And if we're going to recover from this disaster, uh, we're going to have to learn from those mistakes finally and, and, and dismantle much of this government. Realize we are in a big hole. But the good thing is capitalism is a very viable system. It, it, it works. I mean, I've seen it. You know, it's working in communist China, so it, it ought to work here. We give it a try. And, of course, it, you know, it worked better in 19th century America than it's, you know, because we had a, a more capitalism than they do in China. But the problem is China's got more capitalism than we do now, which is a very sad situation. But if we can dismantle all this government and reinstitute freedom, we have a lot more technology now. We have, you know, we, a lot has been invented in the last 100 and 150 years. And so the job of rebuilding the economy should be that much easier if the government would simply get out of the way. And yes, we would be a much wealthier economy had the government never got involved in the first place. But, you know, we can't rewrite history, but we can write the future because that isn't written yet. And hopefully maybe some of the people in this room who understand economics probably as well as I and could give this speech if they, if they had the time. Um, but we have to help educate people in America to really understand, understand why this happened, that it wasn't like this happened. You know, nobody could have predicted it. Anybody could have predicted it who was thinking straight. Anybody who actually understood uh, Mises, that understood the business cycle, you know, that understood real economics instead of this Keynesian nonsense. Anybody that understood economics predicted it, it wasn't hard. It was pretty easy. In fact, I had this debate the other day, and the moderator, who I ended up, you know, I argued with the moderator more than my opponent, but the moderator, the moderator talked about how complicated the financial crisis was. I said, look, it wasn't that complicated. That's how come I knew it was coming. If it was complicated, I couldn't have figured it out. I figured it out because it was so simple. And it is simple, but we just have to do a really good job of, of educating that, spreading the word, getting people to understand that the source of their misery is not capitalism, but the government. And the only cure that will work is a huge dose of free market capitalism. Thank you. Well, there you've just heard Peter Schiff say that the problems that we have with our economy is not capitalism, it's government's interference in the economy and in the capitalist system. Of course, I could not agree with Mr. Schiff more in that view. And and one of the most important markets, perhaps the most important market that is manipulated by government is the gold market, even though the government most strenuously lies and, and tries to get us to believe that it is not manipulating the gold market. Funny thing, it's quite willing to let us know it's manipulating interest rates, the money supply, and all manner of other markets. But no, 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 it would never, ever get involved uh, in 
manipulating the gold market. Well, to talk a bit more about the government's role in manipulating the gold markets, I am really pleased to have with me once again Chris Powell, who is here in Vancouver with me following the Cambridge Investment Conference. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Jay. Great to be here. Really good to have you again on Turning Hard Times into Good Times. You know, just uh, a lot of things going on, and you've, you've talked here in Vancouver to a, a couple of different uh, groups, uh, a couple of fundraisers here in, uh, in Vancouver. Uh, maybe just tell our listeners again the purpose of Gold Antitrust Action Committee and what you're doing, and also maybe let people know how they can get involved in, in supporting you if they wish and supporting uh, the uh, uh, GATA. Uh, and uh, how they can sign up for your missives. You put out an awful lot of very interesting information that's directly related to the gold markets and to um, you know political economic things that have, that influence the gold markets. So, just tell our, our listeners a little bit about GATA again. Those that might not be familiar, I imagine most of them are, but there's probably a, quite a few of them that aren't. Well, thanks, Jay. We're uh, a nonprofit educational and civil rights organization. We were incorporated uh, in Delaware and. January 1999, we have uh, federal tax uh, exemption as a 501c3 organization, so uh, contributions to us in the United States are federally tax deductible. We were formed to uh, expose and protest and litigate against the manipulation of uh, the gold market. We've since uh, uh, extended that to the silver market as well, because silver is a monetary metal, a potentially competitive uh, currency. And since January '99, we have uh, uh, collected uh, and uh, published uh, much official documentation of the Western Central Bank gold price uh, suppression scheme. We're sometimes derided as a conspiracy theory organization. We're most assuredly not that. We uh, simply collect public records, official statements. Um, uh, minutes of uh, government meetings, uh, legislation, uh, things like that, publish them on our Internet site. And we have documented at, at great length the official Western Central Bank policy of uh, suppressing the gold price, which uh, uh, was really public policy from the uh, origin of the gold standard, because the gold standard itself is a mechanism of fixing the gold price right through the London gold pool of the 1960s uh, into the modern era of surreptitious uh, gold swaps and, and leases uh, by central banks, their sales, their surreptitious trading in the gold market, uh, particularly through the, the Bank for International Settlements, all to uh, rig the currency markets and uh, help them rig uh, other markets. It's, it's really all a matter of public record. Anybody who wants to verify this need only ask his own central bank for access to the central bank's uh, records of gold swaps and leases and the uh, records of the uh, local central bank's uh, gold trading account at the Bank for International Settlements. Uh, anyone who asks those questions will be denied access to the uh, material, and uh, then I think he, he can begin to draw his own conclusions. Yeah. Uh, so let, let our listeners know how people can sign up uh, for GATA, the missing Oh, sure. Well, our, our Internet site is gata.org. We... Uh, uh, put out a fair number of dispatches every week, uh, items of, uh, of interest to uh, people who are interested in gold as, as money, as uh, really the money of, uh, of free people. If you go to our Internet site, um, gata.org, uh, there's a little section on the top right of the page where you can enroll to receive either our daily dispatches or our our daily summary uh, dispatch uh, so that, uh, you know, if we send out six dispatches in a day, you don't want that much email, you can 
you can just get a summary dispatch every day that lists each uh, each of those emails. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, very good. It is an excellent service, folks, and I uh, have been getting the misses that are coming out, the dispatches that are coming out for quite a few years, and it really is the most, I think, the easiest way to keep track of what is actually going on in the gold market is to uh, uh, is to get uh, that information from GATA. And also, uh, if, you, if you're in agreement with what Chris just said, and I certainly am, that uh, gold is the money of free people, and if you believe that freedom and liberty is really uh, very, very important, you may want to consider supporting GATA as well. Well, Chris, uh, recently, you know, Cesar Chavez asked for his gold back from the United Kingdom, and a lot of people just said, yeah, you know, Cesar, he's a nutcase. Anyway, who cares? Hugo Chavez. <laughs> Cesar with yeah, I'm sorry, Hugo, 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 is the Hugo Chavez. Right. right. Uh, wrong first name. Uh, same. Uh, the, the dictator, I think I have the right one in mind, the guy that uh, is ill now and not doing well, but he well, you got, got his gold back from, I, I understand he did get his gold back, did he, from yeah, London? I, in fact, uh, while we were talking, I looked up the old uh, Reuters story here from or the Wall Street Journal story from January 2012, and it uh, says that in uh, November 2011, Venezuela asked for its gold back, uh, uh, which uh, was stored in uh, U.S., European, and Canadian banks, but mostly at the Bank of England. Uh, and uh, really just uh, a little more than two months later, uh, Venezuela got all its gold back, 160 tons of uh, of gold, and uh, they had a great celebration in uh, Caracas. So to repatriate uh, Venezuela's uh, 160 tons of gold, it, uh, it, it took really only uh, less than three months. And now uh, the Bundesbank, of course, wants to repatriate some of its gold from the New York Federal Reserve, where the Bundesbank uh, claims to have 1,500 tons of gold deposited, but the Bundesbank will retrieve from the New York Fed uh, only 300 of those 1,500 tons and, and will require seven years to do so, which does uh, suggest that uh, the German gold uh, in New York is uh, is impaired in some way. Well, that is very interesting. Well, let's compare that. Uh, Chavez gets his goal 160 tons back in two months, and it's going to take how many? Seven years to get 300 tons back for the Germans? Uh, yeah, seven years to get uh, one fifth of their gold back out of uh, out of New York now, which uh, amounts to three hundred tons. Three hundred tons, yes, twenty percent right. of the right. the deposit there. Uh, now, <clears throat> the Bundesbank can say that New York is a major gold trading center, but it's really not a major gold trading mm-hmm. center. Uh, London is, uh, but uh, uh, it certainly does raise questions, uh, especially after. Uh, the Bundesbank people were were calling uh, nuts anybody who suggested that uh, the Bundesbank should uh, start repatriating its gold. A few months ago, we were nuts. Now the the Bundesbank is doing it itself. Yeah, interesting. Um, so, why why do you think that the Germans have all of a sudden? become interested in having the physical delivery of their gold? Well, there's, there's been a political clamor in, in Germany over the German gold, and I think Gata has had uh, a lot to do with instigating that clamor. Uh, uh, we pointed out the, uh, the evidence that we've collected that the Bundesbank is party to gold swaps and leases, uh, likely with the United States as well as uh, other central banks. Uh, we've uh, pointed out that the, this swapped and leased gold is is part of the gold price uh, suppression scheme, and uh, that the gold is uh, very likely not recoverable at all. And that prompted uh, uh, some like-minded people in Germany to begin political action. 
and uh, clamor, and they got the interest of some uh, members of the German parliament to uh, to raise questions and uh, criticize the Bundesbank. And then a few months ago, the uh, German uh, Federal Court of Auditors issued a report uh, criticizing the Bundesbank for uh, inadequately securing and auditing the uh, the German gold reserves. Uh, and that really all uh, prompted the Bundesbank to stop calling us nuts and uh, to start repatriating uh, some of the German gold. No, that's, uh, that's good work. Uh, it's really, really interesting because I know you probably do have more influence overseas uh, in many ways than you do at home because it seems as though, you, you know, your information is, is more uh, well-received in places like Russia and, and other places than, uh, than here in, in, your own, in our own backyard. But um, so the Germans, how, how have, you know, if the gold isn't there, how do you think it's been? How do you, has it been leased out? It's been sold? Has it been handed? Have you know the government handed it to their friends in high places? Sure. In the 1990s, Jay, there was a huge gold carry trade. It was really mm-hmm. encouraged by the United States government and other Western governments. Companies were were encouraged to borrow gold from central banks to sell it into the market, take the cash and buy government bonds with it. Uh, this mm-hmm. was pretty much a, a risk-free trade as, as long as uh, the borrowing parties had assurance that uh, governments would uh, really restrain the, uh, the gold price. You could borrow mm-hmm. gold for virtually nothing. Excuse me. And, uh, uh, you know, maybe pay half a percent or one percent a year to, to mm-hmm. borrow gold. You could liquidate it and buy government bonds paying five percent and collect the spread. It was free money as well as as long as uh, uh, government could uh, could keep the gold price down or uh, make more gold available to uh, the market if there was any any sort of problem and uh, bullion banks uh, collected the spread for uh, uh, for free but I think the, uh, the there's so much gold was borrowed uh, that uh, uh, there wasn't enough at uh, one point and that's when you had the, the Bank of England selling uh, most of its gold to uh, uh, really avert a, a terrible short squeeze. Uh, uh, so the, the, the gold went into the, uh, the, the the market, and then we we got into the decade uh, of the uh, the two thousands, mm-hmm. and we had uh, you know almost weekly announcements by Western central banks about how they were selling gold, uh, and yet the the gold price kept rising steadily through that decade, and, and you had to wonder. How could the gold price be going up steadily, even as every week one Western Central Bank or another is announcing that it has sold, sold gold? The only yeah. possible explanation for the continued rise of the gold price amid these gold sale announcements uh, was that uh, this gold was not being sold at all, that it had already been sold. The, the sales that were being announced were actually just cash settlements of gold that had been leased out and could not be recovered. Uh, that's why we believe the gold price rose throughout the uh, the last decade in the face of all these gold sale announcements because no real gold was hitting the market. Uh, the gold had hit the uh, the market a decade before, and now these sales were just the uh, cash settlement of uh, the leases from the previous decade, and no real metal was hitting the, hitting the market because it had all been uh, leased out. And the lease gold could not be recovered except by new purchases that would uh, explode the gold price, which uh, the central banks could not tolerate. And so they uh, they decided to to let the bullion banks off the hook uh, with uh, cash settlement of the lease gold. Mm. 
What uh, we, we've had a, a pretty much a sideways price in the gold market over the last what eighteen months, fifteen months mm-hmm. at least. What, what do you think is going on now, Chris? Well, uh, some people like the economists and fund uh, managers, uh, Paul Brodsky and and Lee Quaintance, think that uh, uh, the major central banks are are reallocating uh, their gold reserves uh, so that uh, the big dollar holder holders around the world are uh, properly hedged when there's a, a gold revaluation. Um, I think that's uh, that's plausible. Um, I would bet my life right now that uh, China, which has been accumulating gold uh, uh, really desperately, is still itself part of the gold price suppression scheme because they've got uh, a big dollar surplus and they are not ready uh, to uh, let gold uh, go to the moon uh, until they've hedged that dollar uh, surplus uh, adequately. Uh, uh, China, you know, wants gold and wants a lot of gold uh, before it uh, uh, wants a, a higher gold price. Uh, it wants mm-hmm. to accumulate as much gold as it can while there is some available. So I suspect China's very much uh, cooperating with the uh, the gold price suppression scheme right now as uh, really uh, world gold reserves are reallocated more fairly among central banks. Yeah, indeed. I, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but the amount of gold that China owns relative to its the size of its economy, I understand, is very small um, compared to, say, what the United States at least pretends to own right. and Germany uh, supposedly owns. We don't know. When we say owns, I mean, if, if governments are leasing gold out, do they really own it if they can't get it back? That's another yeah, issue. But, but this uh, is the one great proof of the gold price suppression scheme, Jay, that uh, really any financial journalist could undertake if he was uh, uh, willing and had the courage to do so. All you need to do to prove the gold price suppression scheme is you know, call up your local central bank and ask them uh, to uh, identify you for you their records of gold swaps and leases and to show you uh, the statements of their gold account at the Bank for International Settlements in Basel, Switzerland, which undertakes gold trading on behalf of its member central banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the BIS trades gold every day, and not just gold, but futures and options on behalf of its clients. Uh, no one in the financial press asks any Western central bank to make plain its gold records, its gold swaps, its gold leases, its gold trading account at uh, the BIS, and to make an explanation for that gold trading. Uh, GATA published last month a uh, March 1999 report, a secret report uh, to the executive board of the International Monetary Fund uh, compiled by the staff of the, uh, the IMF. <coughs> Excuse me. The IMF staff surveyed all the major Western central banks in an effort to increase transparency in central banking. And the IMF staff had proposed that IMF member central banks be required to uh, spell out their gold swaps and leases in pursuit of transparency. The IMF staff report uh, says that uh, all the Western central banks freaked out when it was proposed that they should uh, identify their gold swaps and leases uh, because, the IMF staff said, the Western central bank said that uh, gold swap and leasing information was market sensitive and its disclosure would impair uh, the uh, utility of uh, secret Western Central Bank market interventions. Now, uh, this is a survey undertaken officially by the IMF of Western Central Banks, and 
it found that Western central banks conceal their gold swaps and leases uh, because uh, disclosure would get in the way of gold market interventions. Now, uh, all you have to do is call them up and ask them, what are you doing in the gold market? Can we see your gold accounts? You will be refused that information because that information is more secretive, more sensitive than the plans for construction of nuclear weapons. Any financial journalist could do that today. Uh, they won't do it because it is the, uh, uh, it's really the, the, the great explosive fact of the world financial system. More explosive than uh, than the information about nuclear weapons. That's that's very very interesting, Chris. And uh, I, we do have to go to a break. Uh, you can come back with us. I hope for a couple more minutes. Sure, I'll be glad to. Okay, folks, don't go away. We'll be right back with Chris. Uh, we'll be right back with Chris as soon as we uh, go to commercial break. Don't go away. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network investors deserve to start seeing greater returns period creating shareholder value requires vision and a disciplined fiscally responsible style at dynacor gold mines we are proving how to fuel growth without shareholder dilution cash flow and liquidity levels are as robust as the company has seen throughout its history Dynacor is a low-risk public company generating actual profits coupled with real shareholder value. Learn more at DynacorGold.com or follow us on Twitter at DynacorGold. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to an underlying problem. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theories to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to quadruple the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights call 718-457-1426 or visit miningstocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters voice america business network the bottom line in business Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and the Good Times. I'm really pleased to have with me for a few more minutes uh, Chris Powell of the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. Welcome, Chris. It's good to have you back. And uh, well, I want to pick up here on, on one of the things. I think it's really interesting. You said that the banks freaked out was the word you used. And 
I would imagine the IMF, when it report didn't when it reported, didn't exactly use those words, but it must have used some kind of words that that connotated that notion that that the banks were really really not wanting to share this because it was too dangerous. Yeah, it's uh, the whole report is posted on our internet site in the documentation section. Jay, anybody can read it and uh, see if they uh, find my uh, characterization. Uh, uh, correct or, uh, or incorrect, but uh, it's very plain that uh, the uh, the Western Central Banks did not want their uh, gold swaps and leases uh, made public because then people uh, would be able to find out what they were doing in the gold market. Yeah, interesting that that could be more dangerous, more dangerous than knowing where we put, where nuclear weapons are stored. Well, it's uh, really the, a matter of controlling the whole world economy, rigging all the currency, uh, bond, and commodity markets. Uh, uh, that's uh, really a greater power than nuclear weapons. Uh, uh, the utility of nuclear weapons is is pretty limited. Well, probably uh, control the gold price and create fiat money. You can, as the Rothschild says, he doesn't care about having a standing army, or you don't. He doesn't care who makes the laws. I guess is the way he put it. As long as he has control of the currency, and as Alan Greenspan knew very well, as he said back in 1966, and still believes. Uh, as recently as 2002, that uh, the reason governments try to co- control and suppress the gold price uh, is that if people started to want to buy gold, it would take away the ability to manipulate the markets and the economy and to redistribute wealth uh, and and to uh, really run a socialist society. And we have a socialist society, an increasingly more socialist environment, fascist, some people call it. It's government intervention in the markets. Uh, and it's interesting to me, Chris, that the one market that they they really don't want you to think they're manipulating is the gold market. They don't care if you you know manipulating the interest rates. They don't care if you're manipulating anything else. Bond markets are manipulating Operation Twist, or as uh, as Peter Schiff calls it, Operation Screw. Uh, you know they do all kinds of things to intervene and to uh, interfere with the natural workings of the market, and they want you and me and everyone else to think that oh no, they would never touch the gold markets. And so I think. That that tells you something right there. But um, with respect to uh, to China, it, it seems then what you're what you're suggesting is that China wants to see uh, they're not interested in seeing much higher gold prices for quite a while. They like to just just keep scooping it up. I know that China is the world's largest gold producer now, and I believe they're not allowing exports of gold. Yeah, and they've made right. it. They're keeping all the gold in the uh, country, and they're encouraging their own people to. Uh, to buy gold, and uh, uh, we believe that uh, a lot of the uh, gold being imported through uh, Hong Kong is is very likely going to uh, uh, the uh, the Chinese government. A few years ago, the uh, Chinese government uh, announced a huge increase in their their gold reserves after not reporting uh, an increase in their gold reserves for like four or five years. Uh, um, that is, uh, China was. Uh, obtaining gold every year and not reporting it to the International Monetary Fund mm-hmm. and did it all at once. Uh, so, you know, China's obviously uh, very sensitive about the gold that it's obtaining. It, it, it wants as much as it can uh, get uh, before they're, they're ready for the, you know, the new international currency revaluation. Too bad, too bad the Bank of England doesn't have more gold to sell uh, because the Bank of England seemed to want to sell gold as cheaply as possible, didn't they? They sort of telegraphed ahead of time, hey, world, we're going to sell gold. Yeah, that uh, was uh, very likely uh, a desire to get the gold price down in order to rescue uh, some of the key New York or London banks that have been caught short at the, uh, the market's turn uh, 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wonderful? 
What yeah, a really, the economy. national patrimony was uh, uh, thrown out in order to save some banks. You know, I mean, and, and then people will say, see, that's capitalism. Well, I don't think that's capitalism. Do you, Chris? No, of course not. It's, uh, it's you know, crony capitalism or uh, socialism or, uh, you know, uh, lemon socialism where uh, the public uh, takes the losses and private parties, uh, you know, take the, the, the profits. Uh, the central banks do not operate for the benefit of the public. They, they operate for the benefit of the banking system uh, generally and for particular banks uh, uh, that, you know, staff the, the central banks themselves. Uh, it's a, essentially a corrupt and totalitarian system. Crony capitalism, or as Gene Epstein calls it, uh, he's on the show frequently, calls it uh, crony crapitalism. But uh, China, so, so China is, uh, there's a debate. Uh, China seems to be, China, um, you passed along an article earlier today, that China can debate the market rigging even though the West can't. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, there was uh, uh, some uh, dueling articles in uh, the uh, uh, Chinese uh, press this week. Uh, I guess uh, uh, one, uh, one writer uh, said that uh, the, the government ought to stay out of the markets, and then uh, uh, another writer came in and said, oh, well, uh, China's uh, stock market is uh, is young, and we're a developing country, and uh, it may be necessary for the, the government to intervene in the stock market from time to time. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought this was just a, uh, a delightful uh, debate, and I'm sure in the Chinese context it's a legitimate debate, but... Uh, and they can have the debate in this supposedly communist country, but over here, uh, as you uh, you know, remarked, if you talk about market intervention, uh, uh, surreptitious market rigging, you're you're often uh, looked at as a as, as a loony. We we just can't discuss that kind of stuff over here. And uh, I just thought it was wonderfully ironic that uh, it can be. Uh, uh, discussed in China, but it can't be discussed uh, dis- discussed uh, here in North America. Yeah, that's that. That is very interesting. Uh, it can be discussed, but if it is discussed, uh, it's only by crazy people who would discuss it. It couldn't be real. And of course, they said that about GATA going way back at the start uh, when you guys started your organization. And now people are saying, well, they're not so crazy after all. It looks like things are really turning out the way that you predicted. Um, You also talked recently about an article in the Wall Street Journal about some, maybe it was some hedge fund manager that was... Oh, it was a Bloomberg story, uh, Jay. Yeah, I Uh I took uh, particular interest in that uh, yesterday. Um, There was, excuse me, a a hedge fund manager in in Hong Kong who gave a statement to Bloomberg uh, that he was... uh, uh, putting one third of its assets, thirty-five million dollars, uh, into uh, gold bars and uh, having them uh, flown to Hong Kong and stored in a vault at the uh, uh, the airport, and he he basically uh, read uh, got his playbook to to Bloomberg. Uh, he says gold is anywhere from being undervalued to being seriously undervalued. Uh, we're in the early stages in our judgment of what would likely be the world's largest short squeeze. And then the instrument, uh, he uh, uh, went on to uh, say that, uh, well, it says here, ownership of gold through financial instruments based on it, such as COMEX futures contracts, now represents more than 100 times the physical gold that exists above ground worldwide. Uh, he says all you actually need for a major upward revaluation of gold is for a small fraction of people to physically reclaim from major central banks 
or other depositories that are holding your gold and using it for their purposes. Um, basically, he was uh, uh, reading from God's playbook that there's a, a, a vast supply of imaginary gold and uh, all that is needed to uh, explode the gold price is for people who think they own gold but own only paper gold to uh, mm-hmm. redeem the paper for real metal and take it out of the banking system, which is exactly what God has been saying for a long time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting, Chris. I noticed that uh, on Fast Money, which I once in a while turn, uh, turn on uh, in my office at home, Fast Money on CNBC, they were discussing this whole issue of Germany requiring delivery of their gold. Uh, and two of the four members of the Fast Money panel uh, were quite concerned uh, that this is indicating uh, some possible problems in the market. Two of the others said, no, no, don't worry. I mean, they sort of gave the, the party line. And I found it also interesting that Dennis Gartman, who's, who likes to paint himself as uh, the furthest thing from a gold bug, uh, was also voicing some real concerns that there could be some, some shortages or some problems, uh, disparities in the market. So I thought... That was really interesting that the world is coming along to uh, more and more to to believe what GATA has been charging all along. Yeah, well, but all they got to do, thing. Jay, is call up the central banks and, and ask them, could you please show us the records of your gold swaps and leases? Could you please show us the records of your gold account to the Bank for International Settlements? Could you please uh, show us and explain to us exactly what you're doing in the gold market. Why is it necessary for you as a central bank to be trading surreptitiously in the gold market? And then you'll get uh, the door slammed in your face, and then if uh, uh, that doesn't raise questions, uh, I can't help you. Yeah. Well, we might just uh, challenge our listeners to to call the central banks and uh, the central bank in their area, the uh, branch of the Federal Reserve, and ask them that question, you know, so, uh, and see what response you get. And I guess this would be a... Uh, a real-time um, experience to allow people to, to, you know, to see what you're talking about. But I, um, John Butler is a fellow that we've had on our show, Chris, in the past, and uh, he's suggesting that it's just a matter of time before the trading partners of the United States are going to want to have some real money in exchange for the real goods that they send our way. And John is suggesting that in order mechanically for that to happen, we'd need to see at least $10,000 gold. Now, the Chinese maybe are trying to get that gold for $1,600, as much of it as they can, in anticipation of, of such a day. But do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I do expect a major revaluation of gold, Jay. I want to uh, live uh, long enough to, to see it. But uh, these things uh, do happen throughout uh, history. Gold has uh, always been revalued to uh, avert debt deflations and currency collapses. Um, there's a number of academics and uh, very educated people have researched this uh, and uh, who expect it. Uh, you know, Paul uh, Brodsky and Lee Quaintance, who I've uh, mentioned already today, uh, uh, they uh, wrote a, a long paper uh, uh, about this uh, a few months ago. Um, there's a uh, uh, fellow in uh, Britain, a British economist named uh, Peter Millar, who uh, uh, back in 2006 wrote a study of the use of gold revaluation to avert uh, debt deflations. That paper is on our uh, Internet site. This is not uh, uh, wild, wacko stuff. It has happened throughout uh, history. There is, there's always been currency revaluations. Uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt's administration did a, a gold revaluation back in 1933 and 34, and uh, it's uh, uh, happened uh, throughout history. It likely will happen again, only this time. I think it will uh, 
results in a much greater percentage increase in the gold price because of the mechanism that has been used uh, so long to suppress the, the price of gold uh, with uh, uh, derivatives, and they've created such a, a huge imaginary gold supply that uh, they're, they're, they're going to have to, I think, raise the gold price pretty high in order to, to get some of it back from the public and uh, the foreign holders. Very interesting. Well, we only got a, a less than two minutes left. I want to ask you one one question, uh, one last question. There's many more I could ask you, but here's one. Uh, what would cause? What would you need to see to convince you that the gold markets are not rigged? Well, I, I'd need uh, to have complete access to all the records of every major central bank. Uh, uh, I'd, uh, you know, want to see their gold swap arrangements, or see that they uh, uh, they had none. I'd want to inspect their communications with the. Uh, with bullion banks, I'd uh, I'd want to see the proof in the pudding. I'd I'd, I'd want to see the uh, uh, the charts of, uh, of of the gold price. Uh, uh, I'd I'd want to know uh, that there uh, weren't these waterfall declines that uh, uh, come out come out of the the middle of nowhere. No news, no fundamental changes, and and yet somebody uh, decides to sell uh, so many contracts on the futures market as to drive the price down. Uh, in, in just a matter of seconds, um, yeah, that stuff would have to to disappear. Well, for the uh, uh, for the John Nadlers of this world who think that uh, such a gata type of request is just plain nutso, what would you say? Well, uh, of course. I mean, we have a different worldview. Uh, gata believes in uh, uh, open, accountable, transparent, limited government. Uh, mm-hmm. There's many people in the world who who believe in. Uh, really uh, unlimited power, absolute power in, in government. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we know that uh, power corrupts and absolute power uh, corrupts absolutely. And, and that's what we're trying to stand uh, against, well, Jay. Well, absolutely. And I couldn't uh, agree with you more there on that one, Chris. And we're seeing, um, you know, more and more freedom taken from us, more and more power on the part of the United States government, which was supposed to be the government for the people of the people and by the people, but it seems to be very much the opposite. But you are doing a remarkably good job, Chris, you and, and the other fellows, Bill Murphy, and all the team at GATA. I want to thank you very much for coming on and sharing the latest information on GATA with our listeners. Thank you very much for being with oh, us. Thank Don't you, Jay. Away. I'll be right back uh, with a few closing thoughts on today's show and a word about next week's guest, so don't go away. I'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Eurasian Minerals is a prospect generation exploration and royalty company focused on the discovery of gold and copper. The company currently has over 140 properties on four continents. Our joint venture partners have committed to spend over $15 million on Eurasian Minerals projects in 2012. The company maintains a tight share structure a low cash burn rate, and holds $43 million in cash, creating value through discovery, growth, and royalties. Eurasian Minerals. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to underlying problems. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. 
At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, with a few closing thoughts on today's show. Uh, I thought Peter Schiff, uh, as always, explained very well the workings of a free market, or let's say how free markets don't work when governments get involved and how they mess things up, how assets are uh, are mal-allocated or badly allocated, how capital is mal-allocated for sure. Uh, A great deal of sense, and you don't, need to have a Ph.D. in economics to understand Peter Schiff's arguments. Or, as a matter of fact, I like to say that those that have the Ph.D. in economics probably have a disadvantage in understanding how markets really work. And so uh, Peter Schiff was as good as always. Uh, David Stockman, who spoke at that same day, we, we aired his speech a week, uh, a week or so ago, and David said that this is the beginning of the end of capitalism with uh, QE infinite because the capital markets are being destroyed. And if the capital markets are destroyed, then capitalism itself will be destroyed. We're seeing the destruction of wealth and mass through the interest rate manipulation by Mr. Bernanke. Uh, it's forcing older folks to live off of the uh, seed corn that they've saved instead of having uh, those investments pay off interest. Uh, that they can use to live on, they are now being required to consume all of that capital. So the capital that's left is, is reallocated capital. It's capital that is stolen from people that uh, that are being forced to to receive nothing on their savings, uh, and then it is being passed off to the bankers that create new money uh, and reallocate wealth in their favor. It is a grand scheme of theft, is what we have. Uh, the common folks, the good, hardworking people that work hard and play by the rules are really being uh, mistreated and really being handled uh, and are being forced into um, into poverty, frankly. And that is why we are seeing a massive decline in the middle class of Americans. So that new money that is being created is leading in many ways to higher uh, asset prices. And this, I believe, is what we are seeing. What my work is telling me now in terms of my inflation deflation watch is that uh, with Mr. Bernanke pumping new money into the system right now, that we are seeing a breakout now in my inflation deflation watch. And indeed, as I look at the uh, the stocks up here in Vancouver today, as I looked at the, the Toronto Exchange, uh, the Toronto Index of uh, junior gold stocks, they are up sharply today and also seem to be breaking out from their recent lows. So I do believe that it's a time that, that some money can be made in the junior sector. This may turn out to be a very, very good year 
for the junior gold mining sector. I know there's been many times in the past when I've been so bearish uh, because I take this long-term view that I missed some really good opportunities in the near term to make some money in the, uh, on the upside. We don't want to, um, uh, you know, you can be right but be wrong in your timing, uh, and that doesn't really help you very much from an investment point of view. There's a lot of really excellent, I think, excellent opportunities in the gold share markets and in some of the other markets, too, that I'll be writing about this weekend in my newsletter like I do every weekend. But there's one company that I've recently picked up in my newsletter called Ariane Resources uh, that is a phosphate, phosphate producer that I believe has a chance of doubling or tripling in value uh, before the end of this year. I'll be writing more about that company as time goes on. I did meet with the management here in Vancouver this weekend as well. Uh, it's a company that's building a world-class phosphate uh, deposit uh, and project in Quebec, and various major fertilizer companies are showing a great deal of interest in uh, in Ariane Resources, and I expect that there should be some sort of a competitive bidding for this company. So there are lots of opportunities out there. Chen Lin has some wonderful ideas that we'll be passing on to you and I will be passing on to my subscribers uh, as time goes on. Um, and so, there, we, you know, it's, it's not all doom and gloom, but in the midst of what we're seeing at the same time is a demolition of free market capitalism. And there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever that as free market capitalism is destroyed, our freedoms and our liberties and the right to be who we are, we have been created to be, each individual's not um, you know not not uh, some faceless individuals that are that are uh, that have been created to be uh, to be servants of the state. I mean that's not what America was created for. It was created for exactly the opposite. The government was supposed to be here to serve us, not us to serve the government. And that by that the founders didn't mean to give us everything we needed, but the government was to serve us by keeping us free, by allowing us to to have freedom to be who we uh, who God made each of us to be, our individual. Uh, spirits or individual capabilities and talents are turned loose and they're free in a free market capitalist economy. When you go to tyranny and socialism and fascism, which is definitely where America is heading, the opposite is true. Well, that's about all the time we do have for today. I want to thank each of you for listening uh, to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. I do want to tell you that next week we have a very interesting guest. He's Simon Mikhailovich. Uh, he's a co-managing member of the uh, IDIS, uh, EDIS is, is Edis's capital uh, in New York, and he has some very ingenious ways to own gold and protect your ability to hold on to it uh, and to continue to own it in an environment where government uh, may be increasingly hostile to your rights to your own private property. So I think this could be one of the most important interviews in some ways that we have done ever on this show. Uh, and I met uh, I met Simon in New York um, last week. Uh, really, a real individual. Really, uh, a very nice person. Uh, but I think a, a very bright person. You're going to want to hear from. Also, Amira Nani will be with me uh, to talk about the rising fortunes of Brazil resources as well. Thanks uh, to Tacy Trump and uh, my producer and Matt uh, Wider, my Widener, my engineer, for making this show logistically possible. Thanks to each of you for listening, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Until then, goodbye and God's bless. Blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.